how about we do something where Seth just gets over himself? Maybe, maybe that's the solution. So maybe we should do an introduction. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the podcast whose working title is Tales from the Ditch. <laughs> working title only. We're in my backyard. We're using equipment from when we were in a band <laughs> 20, 15 years ago. Let me see. Well, let me see. When did it break up? When you were 20? No, I was 19 when 19, we broke up. Yeah. So 34, 11, 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I am uh, Seth. I don't know. You're Pastor Seth. Pastor Seth, because they trust me with that. So I'm a minister. Um, I've known Sean about 25 years now. Um, I feel like I should paint a picture for you. Sean and I have had a colorful friendship. Uh, and also, if you want to know about Sean, we are sitting in a shed. I am looking at bows, arrows, katanas, guns. Uh, there's a In God's Hands poster. Um, great film. Great, great film. Um, this Deep. is where we're sitting. I just want to paint that picture. And yeah, uh, Sean is like family. We've known each other for forever. We've lived together. Um, and working title, Tales from the Ditch, which do you want to explain kind of what the ditch is? Well, you can introduce yourself, but what the ditch is. Yeah. So we grew up uh, in Sparks, Nevada, next to an irrigation ditch that we just called the ditch. It was a play area where we would go hang out. Have fun, have Nerf Wars, catch lizards. Bathe in chemicals. Yes. Uh, the ditch, actually, if you remember, was we would play there every day. We would get cuts. We mm-hmm. would put the orange dirt in our cuts because we thought it had <laughs> healing powers. And uh, when we were in fifth grade, they closed it off, if you remember. They, they had a warning, I feel like, at school saying we know some of you do us which they were saying they meant sean and i but they wanted to basically tell all the poor kids to stop playing in the ditch because we would get an illness or something yeah they fenced it off they said there was warnings uh all the soil contained carcinogens Mm -hmm. and neither of us had had cancer yet i actually have had small amount of skin cancer but but the past is the past (laughs) now that uh yeah, because they didn't really offer alternative. They said, hey, you know that fun area? So the ditch had water going through it, little areas to hide. You could have, like, gun wars. And they basically said, don't go there. And if you said, well, you know, where else should we go? They're like, I don't know. It's not our problem, which was. Yeah, you can play on this area with gravel at yeah. the schoolyard. Yes, which that was never the alternative. ended up badly. But, yeah, I think that was fifth grade. Because I think uh, Tom was still there and a few other. I think Alex was still going to school there. Yeah. Uh, Camargo. Uh, I don't know if I. No, well, you're on the podcast yeah. now, man. So that's on you. <laughs> I think we have to. Shouldn't not have say known names. me. That's what you get for being my friend. So. <laughs> <laughs> so Seth is a pastor yeah. at Living Stones Church in Nevada. And I think we're here to mostly tell stories provide entertainment, but also to discuss theological hot topics. Uh, And 
it's not like a good doctrine podcast. I don't think we could no. call it that because uh, other people do that well already, and we don't need. Th- th- there's no need for another good doctrine podcast. I want to be clear too. I have no education uh, in theology. I went to community college for welding. Um, so that doesn't mean we won't throw opinions around, but I am by no means like, uh, who's a guy, you know, not a Keller. You're no John Piper. John Piper, you know, Anthony Bradley. Yeah. Any of those guys, uh, Sue John Bonson. Who? Uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. That guy, (laughs) little known guy, Greg. Yeah. Up and comer. (laughs) People are getting to know. (laughs) Uh, I would say. Yeah, just because our opinions are correct doesn't mean that we're educated. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so whether you agree with us or whether you're wrong, it's, you know, it's not based on our education, but so. Okay, but. let's start this podcast with a little interview. Okay. This is going to be interviewing Pastor Seth Wildshoot. Mm-hmm. Who do you think you are? <laughs> Oh, uh, let me let me phrase that differently. Where do you get off? Oh, <laughs> uh, why are you the way that you are? I hate so much the things you choose to be. Yeah, that's actually that. You know what's funny? Like it in our country. I feel like that's such a good question because all right, this won't be a topic we're talking about, but this is not popular. Um, American evangelicalism has no sense of itself anymore. So I think we've lost ourselves, lost ourselves from church history, from tradition. Um, so much idolatry, so many things that even necessarily aren't bad in themselves, but have entangled the church and we've gotten trapped in political idolatry and cultural. So asking the question who you are is actually, I, I think the church needs to ask that. Um, may, maybe not some of the, churches because some some of the uh, other churches are doing fine but american evangelicalism seems to I, I don't think they know who they are but so that's my long answer to your question that was supposed to be fun uh no i think that so. is a great place to start so uh why do you hate america <laughs> yeah <laughs> well how long is this podcast so. <laughs> this can go as long as we want okay here's a question Serious question. Yeah, okay, serious. I guess it's not funny anymore. You have often been criticized for not being the status quo American evangelical and usually white pastor Mm. whose main concern is to stop or abolish gay marriage. Okay, yeah. Is to protect our guns. Mm Mm-hmm is to make sure uh, that the righteousness of America is legislated through electing the right officials yeah, and also to be a watchdog for the direction that the country's going morally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So why would you stand out in that area when the vast majority of pastors – well, I shouldn't say that. When the vast majority of white evangelical pastors that I'm familiar with uh, draw the line at those things. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things I think you and I saw this growing up. Like, 
I don't doubt that some of the people who disagree with me on this, I want to assume the best of them. And there's actually a lot I would agree with them on, you know, like, but I just feel we've had, we've gone from loving a country or supporting a particular party at a particular time to just worshiping and uniting ourselves to it and making it a part of faith. Because it's one thing to say, hey, you know, I'm a Christian. I happen to vote conservative or I happen to support this or this. Um, and there's a difference between that and going, well, I'm a conservative who happens to be a Christian. I happen to believe in God. It's like, you know, to and to have all your formation of your faith based not on church history, tradition, or scripture, but based on pundits, based on, you know, uh, clickbait ads, based on, you know, TV, because you can appreciate the Constitution, but not make it your scripture, you know, and, and you can look at the national anthem and say, well, you know, I, I appreciate this. So it's fine, but don't make it your creed. And I'm borrowing this from James K. Smith, who brought this up. And it just, I've never asked people to hate this country. I've just asked them not to worship it. There's some issues that people go, wow, you're way too conservative. And then when I talk about, you know, refugees, it's, well, you're way too liberal. It's like when I bring up abortion, you know, so many evangelicals love it. But when I talk about refugees, it's, oh, you're a liberal. And I don't owe loyalty to either party. And I'm genuinely just trying to be faithful. I don't think I have everything in the bag or figured out, but I'm trying to just be faithful where my narrative in the world doesn't come from a particular political party. And I'm actually willing to discuss and think through these things so that when I have an answer, I say, well, I looked at scripture, church history. I looked at information. I looked at, you know, the news and facts and that, and I have a well-rounded opinion versus, well, I have to think this or have to do that because I just feel like we've drawn some lines in the sand that just aren't in the Bible of, well, if you don't vote this way, you can't be saved. Well, if you don't this, you must not be saved. No, it's the whole like central focus in the Bible, salvation. You know, you look at Jesus, his kingship and being Messiah. You don't see how you're voting. And I think voting's important, but some of the things we've elevated. I disagree. Yeah. Well, yeah. You. Don't. But continue. I, I think we've just elevated things. Well, you would, well, I actually even support your view because even my voting, when I do vote, there's been times I haven't voted at all, but some of my voting is less about making sure I get complete victory or getting a guy in power. A lot of mine has been more about a statement or protest in some ways. And if I found a guy locally who I genuinely liked, who I was like, okay, he could reasonably do things he's talked about. I vote, but um, see even your opinion. All right. We've set this standard. Like you have to participate this way. If you're a Christian, I, I don't feel comfortable doing that if I can't back it up with scripture. And you've told me your position on it of like, well, I don't want to vote here. I don't want to do this. And for me to look at you and go, well, clearly you're not saved. I just, I don't see that. So I'm just trying to be faithful. And yet, yeah, people do not take it well. I've had people call me a communist and a hypocrite. And I'm like, okay, well, a week ago you loved my post on abortion. I don't know why you're mad at me now for posting scripture, but yeah. Yeah, I know you and I, I think I lean a little more anti-establishment and your view blows my view out of the water i think well i i feel i feel like voting is a waste of my time or uh, i should say i feel like voting since i've been old enough to vote has been a waste of my time i would have loved to vote i'm talking about voting for a presidential candidate Uh, i would have loved to have vote for anybody that i liked yeah 
or anybody that I thought would do a good job. And I'm still waiting for that opportunity. I, and, and the thing that frustrates me is, you know, I'm your average, you know, rebel kid who thinks he has everything figured out and decides to fight the man by not voting. And everybody's so frustrated by it, but you're right. People have questioned my salvation and my Christianity because I chose not to vote in an election for a country that's less than 300 years old. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, to be fair, like there is a, there have been instances in Christianity. So we think our only option is vote for this or this when really you can abstain. You can say, no, I feel like either one compromised me. I think about in scripture, you know, the idea of something, you know, offending your conscience and you believing it to be evil, even if it's not and still doing it. And that, that, that can lead to grave sin and issue. And it just, I have no issue with someone who is conservative or, or liberal. Um, I just want to make sure that they're conservative or liberal because they've done the footwork and looked at scripture and that drove them to it. Not because they said, well, I'm Christian. I'm supposed to vote this way. You know, I, cause I can, we have a friend in Europe who doesn't vote. He's working on his PhD, loves God, uh, Danny and, uh, yeah, he, he, I think, I'm pretty sure he would vote if it was a guy he felt comfortable with, but he just, his conscience, I don't think is clear with some of these guys and, and, and I don't blame him and I don't, I, it's fine to have these convictions, but I don't get why we worship them. We've let it entangle our faith and it's, it's been disastrous in my mind. It's been disastrous, but it's funny how many people compromise. I feel like, uh, people who are frustrated by my lack of voting. Yeah. Um, essentially the main reason they tell me that I should vote is because I have to compromise. I just have to choose the lesser of two evils. Yeah. Um, and that's my frustration. Yeah. It's not scriptural. My frustration is that, uh, just everybody's so dirty. I mean, all the mudslinging that happened between Trump and Clinton. Oh, it was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. And there's both of them. You know, people are like, oh, Hillary Clinton has personally murdered at least a thousand people, execution style, two in the head. And she also has strokes. And so she's unfit to lead. Yeah. And Trump is. Eats babies. Eats babies. And he's the the guy who. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And yeah, all of this stuff. And I, I agree. They're all uh, people that I think are horrible and are are terrible for leadership. And just because they're the only two options I have uh, doesn't mean I'm going to assent to being okay with having one of them leading our country. Yeah. I don't want my name on that ballot saying that I voted for either one of them. And why are we letting them dictate? Why are we letting the world? So the Bible doesn't show to me scripture lesser of two evils it shows evil or good and i don't know why we're laying a secular idea which is lesser of two evils it's not from scripture that's a secular philosophy um dictate our view if someone says hey you can either sell crack or kill a hooker i say i'd kill a hooker yeah well yeah but no i i look at them and say no you don't dictate my terms And if they go well this bad thing could happen or this bad thing could happen i'm not responsible for all the sin in the world and I get it. Some people, I, I get their logic. They go, okay, if I do this, though, maybe I can, you know, lesser the amount of evil or lesser the damage. 
And these are some people like who I've met who generally they're friends of ours, generally good hearts, good intentions. I'm not judging them who think if I do this, maybe I'll mitigate, you know, some of it, it'll be less bad, but you're still compromising. And when I look at David and Saul, I see that it wasn't just about David getting to a throne. It was that he got to it the way God wanted him to, mm-hmm. because he could have killed Saul. Yeah. He could have said, well, I'm going to be King anyway. And besides, it'll be good. It'll stop war. People will be saved. And God goes, no, convicts him, convicts him. Why didn't he just do it? Cause the ends don't justify the means. He goes, no, the ends and the means like all these work together. And it's not just that, you know, we get there. It's how we get there because Jesus, why didn't he just say, well, God's going to reign anyway, also overthrow Rome. No, God's going to reign how he has chosen to reign and how he's going to choose to work. And it, yeah, lesser of two evils, I feel like gets so dangerous because then I go, okay, so if Richard Spencer runs as Republican against Hillary Clinton, but he says he's pro-life, are we voting for him? Right. Which is ridiculous. No, I'd abstain. They go, well, you're going to do this. I go, no, I'll still protest this. I can still work with crisis pregnancy. I can still talk to people about abortion. I can still help single moms. I can actually do a lot of footwork on the ground and talking to people, still mobilizing people to help the poor and not just say, well, you've handed it over. Well, why aren't more Christians becoming federal judges then? Or, okay, then why don't you become advocates for these pregnant moms? Why I, I want to vote, but I do not put so much weight that the political process is our only way. That is just a joke to me because that, I mean, gosh, what did the church do under a tyrant? Oh, that's right. They were the church. They didn't get to, you know, under Nero, they weren't saying, well, you know, I hope the next Caesar's pro-life. It just. Wait a minute. You mean there were tyrants who oppressed the church before Barack Obama? I know. <laughs> before before uh, Supreme Chancellor Obama. Oh. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, see, and even that. I can. All right. That's the other thing. Even in that, we are so blinded where we can go. The other side can do nothing right. We can do no wrong. If, if Trump does something that's genuinely righteous, I, I will give him credit and i'll show respect honor deserve because the bible says that but not because he's a part of this party because god's calling it and i'll still be critical of things he does that are evil same thing with obama there was issues i didn't agree with obama on. there was stuff i flat out i'm more libertarian ish i say that because i don't agree i showed my hand i don't agree <sighs> with everything they say but i i just tend to be like hey you know leave me alone um there's things i didn't agree with but i still respected the office i respected god put me in authority and if he did something good, I get all right, credit where credit's due. I, but I'm not going to just go, well, I'll support these guys, but I'll hate these guys. That That's not, we just, it's destroyed our faith in this country. And people do not, I feel, have this respect for our public witness. Because I, ju- I just feel like we've dirtied it. We've really sullied it. But I don't know. I agree. I feel like <clears throat> I'm tr- I'm. I've failed at this for most of my life and I'm trying to turn it around now and I'm trying to view other people primarily through the lens as uh, creatures created by God in the image of God Amen. and people who have uh, worth and value attributed to them through being created by God. Now, I believe in total depravity. I believe that everybody's a sinner. I believe that Hillary Clinton's a sinner and Donald Trump's a sinner and Ronald Reagan's a sinner and Ted Nugent is a sinner. 
which is hard Not hard to Ted. take in. But uh, <laughs> Not Ted. But I do think that uh, we need to see people as people who are created in the image of God. And I see, biblically speaking, and even in the history of the church, uh, the importance being on creating a distinction between God and humanity. God is holy and humanity is sinful and needs salvation. But I feel like the majority of the time is spent, especially in the political process and in evangelical America, the majority of the time is spent making the distinction between a Christian and a non-Christian through our laws, through the way that we prosecute people, and even, to be honest with you, the, through the way that we preach from the pulpit. Yeah. We say it's so important that we don't let those dirty liberal Democrats come take our guns and violate yeah. our freedoms. And the distinction that you see in the Bible is that God is holy and we're all messed up. We're yeah. all sinners. And we should all be afraid and hmm. terrified of a holy God uh, who has uh, every right in the world to send us to hell. Yeah. That's the distinction I see. But for some reason, the the machine, and I'm not saying this is just in America. I'm just saying in America, yeah. uh, which is what my perspective is from. I feel like everybody makes that thing. And you can see this is where it's going to get crazy. You can see this happen with the Black Lives Matter movement. Yeah. You marched with the Black Lives Matter movement in Reno, yeah. Reno, Nevada. Yeah. Now, okay. are you a terrorist? I know. Well, and could I point something out with what you said? Like, Sean and I own guns, by the way. But from what he said, some people automatically go, oh, you're a liberal. I own a gun. I just don't. I'm not going to. The New Testament doesn't show us clinging to demanding our rights. I, I appreciate our rights. But that's that's something I want to point out. Sometimes we live in this culture of, oh, if you think this, you might be this. Sean says this stuff and still owns a weapon because he knows about something called nuance and understanding and being able to have critical thinking, which um, the people of color, their community have had to do critical thinking with uh, their theologians for years. Because if they were in our community, most theologians had at least one or two things they disagreed on <clears throat> race. So mm. they've had to do critical thinking for a while and worse learning it. Uh, secondly though. Yeah. I, so here's the thing. So to answer, he said, I remember when I met with guys who I had some friends who were blue lives matters guys sat right, down with them, right. everything got applauded like, Oh, that's so awesome. Good. Well, black lives matter. I wanted to hear it from their face. So I went and met with them, saw they'd coordinate with the police. I wanted to talk with them and people got so mad. I'm like, I don't want to just go off the news. I don't want to just go off a blog posted by someone angry. I remember someone said, Oh, this is their night of revenge against white people. And I'm going, I remember that. The, the night of, I'm going, no one said that. The leadership, even the police were like, that's not accurate. And they're like, well, no, they hate the cops. The cops are like, that's not true. They worked with us. So these young women, it was two young women. They organized it with the police and thanked them afterwards. They told everyone not to be violent. And in the middle of it, in the middle of this march, a Trump supporter, well, someone, let me say this, a guy who claimed he was, because I don't want to say this about everyone. And I know people... He came in yelling, cursing at people. And you know who protected him from getting beat up? Was Black Lives Matter, people who had held hands and encircled him. Because they said, no, he's allowed to have his opinion. And they were protecting him from some random guys downtown who kind of wanted to beat him up. 
Now that doesn't fit everyone's narrative, but it's like no one's. Yeah, I got, man, I had some people who just, even for trying to meet and talk with them, just uh, one guy unfriended me, I think. And I think another guy blocked me. I tried to have a discussion with him. Because all lives matter. Because all, yeah, all, which it's funny. The original poster said Black Lives Matter 2. When I see Blue Lives Matter, I don't go, oh, so you don't care about red lives? Oh, you don't care about firemen? <laughs> oh, you must hate first responders. And everyone would go, that's silly, Seth. Just because we care about cops doesn't mean we can't care about other first responders. I'm like, really? Well, nowhere did they say other lives don't. And they've even said, yeah, all lives matter. We just don't feel we're included in that all. I've never looked at someone who said, I'm Jewish and Jews are getting killed in Israel by Palestine. I've never said, oh, well, why don't you care about this group or this group? I went, no. That's their community. They're choosing to focus on it right now because they feel other people are ignoring it. And the same thing when we say Christians are getting killed by ISIS, we don't go, oh, what? You don't care about Muslims or Jews? No, it's just that's my community I'm talking about. So the black people, ergo, go, hey, we do care about you. Yes, every life matters. We want to be included in that. We feel like we're being ignored. And you can go, well, I disagree. Okay, but disagree in a loving and graceful way. Have a discussion. Don't just shoot a video at them. And talk with them. And I and I have people, Black Lives Matter, I can't assent to everything they say. There's some stuff I don't agree with. But you know, like, uh, there's some slightly communist stuff a guy said, and I was like, yep, I'm not with that. But, but I at least talked with them. And it's because I want them to know their love too, and they value Jesus. And just, yeah. Anyway, that's, that's my, you got me going on that. Yeah. Well, I, for one, am glad to see you marching with Black Lives Matter. Uh, not because, um, not to be controversial or anything like that, but I'm glad that the Black Lives Matter movement hears more from evangelical white pastors than just, well, all lives matter or blue lives matter. Yeah. And I find it interesting, you know, there's ever since Twitter started being a thing, there's hashtags that represent trending things. Yeah. And I remember there's hashtags like stand with. so-and-so or pray for Puerto Rico and the hurricane and all of those things. Yeah. When people say pray for Puerto Rico, you don't see many people. I guess you see a lot of people maybe do this. I don't know. I didn't notice a lot of people say, well, what about praying for Iceland? Shouldn't we be praying for Iceland too? Yeah, all countries matter. All countries matter. Yeah. Because there's something serious going on. There's a systematic problem, a hurricane Mm -hmm. in the case of Puerto Rico. And people need to be praying for Puerto Rico in addition to helping Puerto Rico and doing whatever they can mm-hmm. do for Puerto Rico. Similar with the Black Lives Matter movement, why do you think it is that of all the things, they could, because whoever it is who's so frustrated by the Black Lives Matter movement uh, spoke up when Black Lives Matter became a thing, why do you think it is they didn't speak up about pray with Puerto Rico or yeah. stand with Egypt or whatever it is? Question. Why is it? And yeah. why is it almost always uh, Christians, white Christians that do that? Yeah, I find it interesting, too, that the main thing I support when I went to meet with these guys in March with some of them was just the idea of them having human worth and dignity. It wasn't even, you know, I don't hate cops. I have so many cop friends. I've talked about accountability, but I've never said, you know, kill police, you know, violence towards anything of the sort. Um, yeah, I don't, 
I feel like, so there's this weird thing. Lots of guys admit to looking at porn and lots of people talk about, you know, anger or like these manly sins or they talk about acceptable sins. I don't think I've ever had someone come and repent to me and say, well, you know, I need to repent pastor of racism or greediness. And, and I don't think the Bible shows that those went away. I don't think the Bible says, oh yeah, that's a very, very small problem. Yeah, Satan could tear us down through that, but it only affects 2% of the population because for some reason the devil has better things to do. And um, it, it doesn't affect America because we passed some laws. And, and I'm just, I'm baffled sometimes because I'm trying to have a discussion with people to even go, okay. All right. Have you ever seen Michael Chase stand up on Netflix? Yes. Yeah. My, he says, all right, here's what's happening. If someone says, if my wife says, do you love me? I don't say, I love everybody, babe. Like, I love all God's creatures. No. And, and he says, I look at her and say, I love her. I am more supporting Black Lives Matter, like, by talking to him, dealing with him. I'm not even, like, an advocate for him. I have talked with him because I want to see human dignity, who are image bearers, lifted up. I want to mourn with those who mourn. And all of them come from a, uh, a biblical conviction. I'm not trying to get people to vote for Bernie Sanders, even though he looks like Doc from, I mean... And he looks like, yeah, he looks like he's from Doc Brown. I'm not even, I'm not trying to get people vote either way. And I'm not even trying to get people saying, I'm going to tell you what to think. I'm trying to challenge you how you think you can completely disagree with me, but as long as biblically you can back it up, that's what I'm trying to do as a path. And like you said, I do not claim to know everything. I'm still, I'm a, I'm only in my mid thirties. I'm trying to learn this. I admit I don't have all answers. Like I'm open with that. Absolutely. I can agree with you that as much as I want to, I do not have all of the answers. <laughs> and a lot of people prove me wrong a lot. And it's embarrassing sometimes, and I have to admit it, but I don't know everything. That's why it's helpful to have an objective truth like the scripture yep. and to be able to say, yeah, God's creatures are precious and we should... Uh, we should show them all love uh, based on their holiness, or I'm sorry, not based on their holiness, but based on the fact that they've been created in the image of God. Yeah. And yeah. not just because they necessarily are part of our tribe or agree with us or have, yeah. uh, have a lot to do um, with us, like on a relational basis, but just because they're created in the image of God. That is an objective truth that you can't get around. Now, you can say that there are some people, I mean, once people maybe start taking the mark of the beast, if you're a premillennial like myself, <laughs> uh, then you can say there's uh, there's no hope for that person. And yeah, uh, but there's still a, cr- a created image. Of, yeah, I think you would still show them so even then. You can still give them dignity. So, right? Well, because all right. So here's the thing. There really is a new idea. If you're going to look at the landscape, all right, if you're listening to this and you're 24 and you're going to become a pastor, first off, don't. Secondly, Amen. <laughs> secondly, here's the new landscape. So, and James, I think it's Case Smith, uh, brother Ryan Smith, you're also in the podcast now, at Reno shared it. Um, the Constitution really has become almost scripture, and you have these guys on TV who are like prophets. And any sense where it's not complete loyalty to these ideals or the country is now seen as heresy. Um, 
that's that's the evangelicalism you're navigating if you're a Christian. And it's almost like new commandments because it used to be thou shall not steal. Now it's thou shall not be liberal. And it's almost stated as a fact. Liberal is always evil. It's assumed. It's agreed. We all think. But if you go some many uh, historically black churches or even immigrant churches, which, by the way, have better numbers than us and are not uh, hemorrhaging numbers like some churches. Um, no, liberal isn't always historically evil. And unless it's an absolute truth, you can't speak it that way. You can't say, well, this is always wrong unless that's absolutely true. And you'd have to prove that any view liberal has never been in any instance historically good or righteous in any shape or form. And that's not true. Just like if someone said conservative is always bad, you can't prove historically everything every single conservative has ever thought or done was wrong. And and don't get me wrong. I have my issues but I don't support him because of my party. I support him because I look at scripture and go, well, I think like, here's a good example. I'll, I'll bring up a topic. No one argues about abortion. Um, I have issues with abortion and talk and dialogue because I look at the single mom who's pregnant and the baby. They both have uh, dignity and worth uh, their main God's image. I want to see things that help life flourish. None of it is, Oh, I'm Republican. So I'm supposed to vote this way. None of it has anything to do with the party is a hundred percent. I look at scripture and go, Oh, he knit us in the womb. And I try and navigate that. And I don't yell or hate people who think different. I really talk with them and try to speak truth and scripture and run through it and dialogue. And when I'm wrong and post a bogus story, I, I say I'm wrong. But one of the frustrating things about that is, yeah, once again, to go back to what you said, the people most critical of me, I remember when I took back a story cause it was factually inaccurate about abortion it was Christians who got the maddest. So mad. And I go, you know what? My non-Christian friends, like, I don't even want, no, my, my friends who aren't Christian, I'm not even going to just, yeah, I'm not going to label them as some. They see that and go, this is your faith? Like, this is the unity it brings? This is what you bicker over? Like, we're supposed to have a kingdom and we bicker like children. It's just ridiculous. But it's, uh, it's not honoring to God. And it's, like I said, I, I don't hate Republicans. I don't hate Democrats. I'm just sick of us worshiping those parties. But I agree with you. I'm going to say one more thing, and then we'll take a break because it's been 30 minutes on the first oh, podcast. Um, this is also sponsored by Powerade and Kirk Cameron's new movie, Fireproof 9. Um, fireproof your marriage again in theaters. Um, no one cares. <laughs> so one thing one point i wanted to make about black lives matter is this whole thing has reduced our ability to talk freely about real problems yep and you said you you mentioned that you have a a, a bunch of friends that are cops yeah and i do too some of the same friends i yeah. i know a lot of people who are mm -hmm. cops and can we just uh, so I was trying to have this discussion about Black Lives Matter and somebody said, you know, well, Blue Lives Matter. And I said, I understand. But here's the thing. Cops are usually jerks. They usually are. There's there's really nothing to say about that. All the cops we've met in our life, Seth. We've, how I, many I have had been to do jerks? a flashback of <laughs> when. Well, here's the thing. You didn't have it coming to you. 
you were fairly innocent in your interactions. I, I deserve. Yeah, I'm just saying I was a jerk for some of that. You, I agree. You've had some interactions. You tried to help a puppy and got remember? yelled at. I remember. I was trying to help a puppy. I was running with a bat in my hand. You kind of had a little more. I don't have that much righteous indignation, but. Here's yeah, cops are jerks. Now sometimes that's necessary. You got to be a jerk and you I have to be assertive. Absolutely. But I'm just saying sometimes cops, I'm saying the majority of the time when I've had an interaction with police officers, they've been overly jerkish and I'm trying to do nothing but help and mm-hmm. I'm trying to be, be nothing but compliant and they're still jerks. And so uh anyways, I said that to this cop yeah. <laughs> who said blue lives matter. And this was a cop who said this all to? over me. And he said, he said, this is exactly um, his words. I believe this is verbatim. He said, you're just like them. And what he was saying was, I'm just like black lives matter supporters or maybe he was saying i'm just like black people or i'm not 100 percent sure what he was saying but the truth of the matter is that uh he late in a later conversation he was really mad at me for a while we didn't talk for a while and then he (laughs) came back and he says you know what you're right like when you become a police officer usually at least around here, I don't know if this is true everywhere, but usually you spend time in the prison. You're a prison guard for a while before you become like a sheriff's deputy. Mm -hmm. Or you're usually doing some some type of uh, beat work where you go do this stuff where you break up fights and take people away from their moms and stuff like that. Um, Before you get like the cushy job where you're a detective. You know how you're a detective and you don't have to wear the uniform anymore you just wear a suit be so awesome yeah i don't know why that is but anyways um he said going through that initial process does make you into a jerk and seeing all of this stuff every day seeing these terrible people doing terrible things committing crimes uh with no regard for other people, with no regard for children or their own children or anything like that. He goes, it does actually make you into a, a cop jerk. said this. To yeah. Me. He said that. And he oh, goes, wow. you know what? You're totally right. And I said, and you all grow mustaches at one point. And he <laughs> said, actually that's true too, because he had a mustache at the time. But the fact that everybody's so defensive and wants to say, no, black lives matter. All lives matter. Blue lives matter. Yeah. Every life matters means we can't actually have a realistic discussion. People jump jump to their defensive position. Oh, absolutely. And you can't have a discussion. You and this is across the board. You can't have this discussion with anybody. Oh my god, people kneeling at a football game. You can't talk about that. You can't yeah, you can't even have a dialogue. And the funny thing is, you know, it's, it it's not even I don't believe cops you know, sometimes do these wrong things because it's only them. It's because I think humans are all jerks. The vast majority of people are, the vast majority of firemen, they're jerks. So when you put someone in an even more stressful job and I go, wait, we know a hundred percent of humanity is depraved. Yet we think only 1% of the police act that way depraved. I go, why would putting them in a higher place of power, more stress, make them less depraved. 
And it's not that there aren't good cops. Like, I'll look and go, yeah, you're a good cop. Absolutely. There are good cops. There, there's there's guys like, uh, I won't say his name because I don't want him on this podcast. There's a guy uh, from Reno too, which is awesome. Of course there's good cops. I don't think that, you know, go, okay, well, in general, people are like this. It's not exclusive. People are like that. People are giving someone a gun and badge doesn't take away the depravity. People are, I hate to give this to you. People suck and they, I'm sorry, from a young age, no one had to tell me how to lie. And I remember first time I took a bat to someone before I was a Christian, I, I didn't even need to basically learn how. I was angry and they were in front of me. It's, it's natural. Just, yeah, it's, it's natural nat- to hurt people. That, that's why I don't look at cotton and go, oh, they're not. A- no, I think they're jerks, some of them, because it's like they're human. And, and now you've given them a job where they're taking in guys who have beat their wives or molested kids, and they see that crap all day. Dude, of course it's got wear on you. Of course, I just can't believe you had this honest of a discussion with a police. I didn't know you knew a police officer. Well, that's what I'm frustrated about is I couldn't have the honest discussion. At oh, first. in the get, yeah, in the beginning, like he had to change and humble himself and apologize to me in order to have the discussion. <laughs> but my point is this: like we're complaining about our loss of freedoms, but we're removing the very freedoms that we're complaining about: our right to free speech. Yeah, we have a right to free speech, but we pigeonhole it into this thing that's not even free speech. It's just this stupid BuzzFeed story, clickbait, uh, bullcrap, and we're not able to have these conversations at all. How much do you think would be alleviated just by having a conversation with somebody? Yeah. Like, and and I'll admit, as a privileged white person, uh, that I. Unfortunately, like as much as I don't want to be, I'm a racist and I find myself being a racist specifically towards black people. Like I have that thing that, you know, Michael Moore talks about where I was like programmed to think that all black people are aggressive. They're and, coming to kill you. And, and got, yeah, yeah, they all want and all that stuff. And, unfo- and and I don't want to feel like that. No, but I honestly do. You know, what's never helped that. I think there's a plane flying over. <laughs> so there's a plane flying over. I want to point out we're not having a Vietnam flashback. Yeah. <laughs> there's just a plane flying over. But So you know what's never helped my Facebook. racism towards black people? Facebook. <laughs> and also um, uh, staying Wilson. within my clique. And yeah. And listening to Doug Wilson things and saying, you know what? <laughs> He's right. And feeling like uh, I'm unfairly judged as being privileged and I work hard and my heritage is important and blah, blah, blah. That's never helped. You know what has helped? Actually being friends and having discussions with a person from the black community. Doesn't it? it, You know, it's true because I remember I read uh, Anthony Bradley, who regularly guys get mad at. And it was talking to my wife that changed me. It wasn't mm. Facebook. It wasn't Fox News or CNN. And, you know, it's like, what was it she said? She was just, I, I asked her if she experienced and understood some of these things. And she started racism, tearing up. Mean, yeah, right? racism, being talked to differently. You know, she told me how she was, you know, told by a guy who she wanted to date. He said, I think we should stick to our own kind. And I'm, I was like, what the heck? And it opened a new world because it's just, it was someone I loved. It was a person now. And I think you're right. When you, you actually talk to a person, gosh, that just, 
it's just so different. Um, yeah, to see them, to hear their pain. Yeah, no, I think you hit the nail on the head. Powerade, uh, Kirk Cameron's new movie coming out. Fireproof. Fireproof, Fireproof nine. nine. Um, the Left Behinding. Okay, that's it for this episode. Please check back soon for more Tales from the Ditch. Yeah.